0: I really love the church here. The more times I go through it and, and all the lessons, the more I love it, how they all fit together. Every Sunday has its own theme, and it's not one that I make up. And through the, the, the time of the church here, through these lessons, they, they guide us through important spiritual themes and ideas, all revolving around the life of Christ. Christ. If you think back to, to Lent and even Advent, there are two Sundays that are more joyful amidst those more penitential seasons. The readings are all filled with joy and, and hope and seasons that, that kind of limit that. In Advent, that's the day we actually light the, the pink candle, the rose-colored candle. Here in the Easter season, the, the church here does the exact opposite. Easter is a joyful season, one filled uh, with joy and happiness. And, and yet today... It's a day that that is seemingly less joyful. All the readings are, well, they're actually kind of depressing. Our our, our Old Testament lesson from today, our our sermon text from Lamentations, uh, Lamentations is one of the toughest books to read. If you want to feel something, turn off whatever drama show you're watching on TV and read Lamentations. And remember, this was written by a real person. Jeremiah, about real people, the the people of Jerusalem, who are going through real tough situations the siege of their city, their captivity, and the destruction of their temple. So, why is this? Why do we read these lessons today? Why do we focus on, on these and on sadness just a few weeks after Easter? We've just come off this this great spiritual mountaintop of Easter. There were trumpets and flowers, and the church was full. It was awesome. But the problem with with great wonderful emotional highs is there's always a low, and we live in this low, don't we? So we we live in the real world. We have to go to work. We have to go. We have to do our homework, even our catechism homework. We have to do the dishes. We don't just live in the emotion of Easter or whatever uh, high we have. Our regular lives can often feel sad. Time for us can often feel like a drag. And so by scheduling these lessons on Jubilate Sunday, the church acknowledges that. In the text from Lamentations, God acknowledges that. It's striking in our short text from Lamentations how many references are made to time. And even more so, how many of them are negative, waiting, hope quietly. Jeremiah writes that his soul always remembers. And what does it always remember? His affliction and homeless wandering, the wormwood and bitterness... Older translations say the wormwood and the gall. Wormwood is a plant that has a terribly bitter taste. Everything it touches becomes bitter. Gall is short for for gallbladder. Now, we use the the term, the the phrase, uh, the idiom, my heart breaks. Well, for the the ancient Hebrews, their feeling really wasn't in their heart. It It was deeper, it was lower. Uh, in their, their bladder and their, their vital organs. And here's a metaphor for how much bitterness Jeremiah feels deep inside of him. It's as if God has ripped open his vital organs, spilling out his emotions. To Jeremiah and the people of Jerusalem, the siege of their city and the destruction of the temple probably seemed like unnecessary suffering. Why did God need to do this? And why, why is it going on so long? They were in real danger. And they weren't sure when it was all going to end. They wanted God to hurry up. And the same is true for all Christian suffering. Christian suffering is real. And it's dangerous. But it has purpose. But while you're in pain, it might not seem like anything could possibly be worth the suffering. Jesus gives the illustration of a, of a woman in birth pains uh, with this idea in our gospel lesson. In our society, is fixated on the quality of life. A baby in the womb yet doesn't have a full life, our society says, so it's a life worth aborting. Babies in the womb discover some issue or syndrome or disease that will affect their quality of life, well, they're worth being aborted. In life, too. Uh, if, if I'm not happy, uh, I need to do something, or, or I have permission to do whatever makes me happy, despite whatever anybody or God says. And the same is true on the opposite end of life. Elderly people who are suffering with what might be called a, a low quality of life are pressured to buy into the idea that, that they would be better off having their life ended early, uh, euthanized, which is just a polite way of saying a self murder. Rather than being hooked up to tubes or or being a burden on their family with their low quality of life. We have a hard time understanding suffering. We always want God to hurry up. To us it seems as if God is being slow. It seems too long for us and so we would do whatever we can to, to To make our lives free from suffering, even if that means taking life out of God's hands and into our own. But of course, our perspective is skewed, just as it was for Jeremiah and the people of Israel. And also for the disciples on Monday, Thursday evening, from our gospel (laughs) lesson. Jesus had promised them that he was going to go away from them for a little while. And that they would weep. And lament. But it was only going to be a little while. They were going to suffer, but he would see them again. And soon they would see him again and rejoice. Their suffering would be turned into rejoicing. And what that meant was that even though they couldn't see Jesus, that didn't mean Jesus had left them. They just couldn't see him. Imagine a parent of a toddler who, who opens the door to the outside to throw out the trash. He doesn't go outside, but he just throws out the trash and he shuts the door and he comes back inside goes in the other room. Well, the toddler who, who heard the door slam, he runs to the door and he thinks that the parent left him all alone. And so he stands in there crying and, and, and weeping and lamenting. But then from, from inside the room behind him, the parent calls his name all of a sudden they realize that, that they're not alone. Martin Luther spoke this way about the book of Lamentations and, and what our suffering seems to be like for us and what it really is to God. He said our suffering looks like a wall or a fortress even that separates us from God, uh, like a slam door would, would separate us. But in actuality, God is not separated from us. God is right there inside the wall with us. And that suffering, that wall, serves a purpose in keeping even worse things, like the eternal separation from God, out. And yet for a person without faith, suffering is always an offense to them and always harmful. It never has a purpose They think that God has abandoned them, even though God has promised otherwise, and He's proved it by raising Jesus from the dead. And so they'll try to work out their suffering on their own, maybe even trying to find a a silver lining in their suffering. But for someone with faith, a Christian, suffering might not be any better. In fact, it may be worse. But Christians are, are free to hate suffering. We don't have to look for a silver lining in it because we don't have to work it out on our own. But through faith, we can begin to see that, that suffering has purpose. It's in suffering where even though it may seem God is the most hidden, we can't see Jesus like he's behind a, a wall or, or a fortress or door, but that he's right there with us. God was no closer to mankind than when Jesus was suffering on the cross. And likewise, when you and I suffer our crosses in Jesus' name, God is right there beside us. This is what defines who we are as Christians. Not that we don't suffer because we're Christian, but because we do. We call something what it actually is. We don't deny the fact that we aren't able to see Jesus. We don't deny the fact that Jesus went to heaven after his resurrection. We don't deny the fact that this is hard. Our Christian life is hard. And that we do have to wait. Again, with the references to time, Jeremiah says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, for the soul who seeks him. It is good to hold quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This may be one of the most difficult passages in scripture. The idea of waiting is the hardest thing to do when we're suffering. The movie we watched here at church on Friday night, Paul Apostle of Christ, gave this great example. Imagine you're, you're in a boat in the middle of the ocean. And you can, you can, you, you can see water as far, as far as you can see. And you take some of the water from the ocean and you put it into your hand. And immediately that water begins running out between the cracks in your fingers back into the ocean. The world lives for the water in the hand. And they will do whatever they can to stop it from, from running out and, and to keep it in their hand. They want to have their best life now, and they'll do whatever they can to make their life free from suffering, even if that means ending life early. But Christians, they don't live for the, for the water in the hand. The water in the hand lasts only a little while. Christians live for the ocean, for heaven. That doesn't mean, of course, that Christians are left alone to suffer on earth. But that Christ is with us in suffering. That's why Christ gave to us the waters of baptism. Jeremiah writes, By the mercies of the Lord we are not consumed, for his compassions do not fail. And here Jeremiah gives us one more reference to time, this time positive. Positive. God's mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Our catechism book, Luther's Small Catechism, recommends that when you rise in the morning, the first thing you should do is to make the sign of the cross. To remind you that you are a child of God. And this is why. Our lives are constantly changing. And they aren't easy. But one thing doesn't change. And that's God's promise to be with us as a father is to his child. A promise that he made at baptism. God is faithful. His mercies endure forever. Even when we are weak in our faith, having a hard time believing uh, God and, and waiting just a little while. Jeremiah and the rest of Jerusalem were eventually spared from captivity. They were permitted to return home. And eventually their temple was rebuilt. This is a picture of our lives in Christ. We were under siege. We were slaves to sin and death. But Christ came and rescued us, and God declared us free. He spared us from captivity, and he's promised to take us home. And he's promised that because Christ himself was destroyed, and yet three days later was raised to life. Christ has risen, and because Christ is risen, we know where our suffering ends. It ends with eternal life. In Christ, we can wait. In Christ, we can hope quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean Christians always need to be happy. We don't have to be happy when we suffer. God gives you permission to not like suffering, to weep and lament. But we can be joyful. Joy is something deeper, something often not understood. Joy is grasped through faith in God's promises. So, jubilate, shout out with joy to God. His mercies are new every morning because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. Please stand for our offer tour.